Hey everybody, welcome to This Good Word. This is episode 141 and the title is The Day After. So today I want to talk about doing big things, risky things that require vulnerability. Uh, going through all the buildup and then eventually the actually the doing of it. And then I want to talk about what happens the day after. And this episode is actually dedicated to one of my dear friends, Aaron Freer, who is planting a church and the first worship service they're ever having is this Sunday. So I am, I am recording this for him. Uh, because I love him and because I want to give him a gift. So um, a lot of this is just going to be my own thoughts on the creative process from idea to the day after. And my hope is that for Aaron, but for anyone who has done the risky thing, maybe they've started a new job or they've just gotten married or they have made the big pitch at, at their work, or they've tried to write a book and written a book and they've published it or not. Maybe they're somewhere along the way. Maybe you, uh, whatever it is that is in your creative wheelhouse and you are in any part of the journey, the process of putting it out there, which uh, most of us, like we, 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 we have an idea for something and then eventually it either dies or it gets put out there in some way form or fashion, we feel compelled to give our art away to the world because it's what makes the world a better, more beautiful place. It's part of why we do it. We also do it because we have all kinds of ego wrapped up in it and all that stuff, and you can't get away from that either. But it's also true that you do it because you want to give beauty to the world and you want to add to the beauty in the world. So that's what my friend Aaron is doing, and that's what I've done quite a few times in my life. It's what I'll continue to do, and maybe it's what you're doing. So uh, we're going to go through four stages of the creative process, the idea, the preparation, the actually the doing of it, and then the day after. So uh, I want you to imagine, if you will, any idea that you've ever had for something that you needed to create. And I'm not talking about an idea that just kind of floated in your mind and floated right back out. I'm talking about the kind of idea that captured you so um, like so fully that you had to do something with it and you it, it it moved you to actually create something so it might be a restaurant that you started it might be a screenplay that you've written it might be a book club that you've started it might be a book that you've written it might be a recipe that you've tried. It might be a big dinner party that you had to plan and uh, execute. It might be a nonprofit that you started. It might be any piece of art that you were compelled to make. Uh, I'm looking at my desk right now at one of my friends uh, made rosaries for a while. So he made me one, I'm looking at that. And uh, I'm looking at a little model of a Ford Bronco that I made. I followed the directions, made the whole thing. 1972 Ford Bronco is my favorite kind of car in the universe. And so uh, I built one of those old school models and took a long time, many hours. You had to paint every part of it and uh, just really <laughs> kind of a, a labor of love uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I'm also, I'm just looking around my desk. 
there is this uh, painting that someone did that, and, and they gave it to me because it reminded them of them. And it's a Mexican proverb. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. I think I've shared that before. So beautiful. Uh, I'm looking up to my right. I have a copy of an icon that uh, a, an artist named Rublev made, I think in the 16th century, but it's of the Trinity and it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I'm looking at a print of uh, a copy of the original, um, oh gosh, now, I'm, now I can't think of the word, um, uh, shoot. <laughs> I'll think of it in a minute and then I'll come back to it. Uh, but it's but it's beautiful. I'm I have some Star Wars figures on my desk, and that reminds me of little Lego figures. And that reminds me of the creative process of guys like JJ Abrams and uh and Rian Johnson and some of the other directors and, and writers. Uh, so whatever it is for you, you have this, and, and for my friend Aaron, it was an, an idea of a church. So you have this idea, you capture it, you hone it. Maybe it involves mixing colors. Maybe it involves coming up with a vision statement. Maybe it involves uh, having, you know, tons and tons of um, little post-it notes that you put up all over the place that captures your idea. Maybe it's a song that you have a million tracks on GarageBand, whatever it is, but you're capturing it, you're honing it, it's not going away. Then you get to the point where the idea sounds terrible. <laughs> like it's like the worst thing you've ever thought of in your life. And you can't believe that you've already invested so much in it that you can't quit now. But it really, the thing that sounded so awesome uh, maybe a few weeks ago now sounds like the stupidest thing you've ever thought of doing <laughs> ever. You, that's just totally normal. Like you absolutely have to go through that part of the, of the journey. So, uh, we're talking three by five cards. We're talking whiteboards. This is the idea stage. And, uh, you, you actually have to take some time with this stage. You have to hone it. You have to, you have to see where it goes because I think these ideas are alive. They have their own life and you sort of have to follow it for a while. Uh, most of us don't get the whole thing like in that first eureka moment, that first aha moment. We don't, we don't quite we don't quite get the full picture. So we have to go on runs. And that's what I do. I like, I'll, I'll write for a couple hours. Like this morning, I wrote for a couple hours. I went for a run, came back in, came back after it. You have to do it and then not do it. So your brain puts the right things in the right folders. And then you come back and you've honed that sentence. You've, you've honed that little scene. You've, you've honed that, um, that uh, piece of dialogue that you're working on, uh, on that screenplay or in that drama. And this is, this is what happens. And then uh, eventually you move to the preparation stage. And this is when your idea becomes bigger than just you. Uh, so now we're talking about maybe you have rehearsals with your band because you're making a record uh, and you're getting ready to record it. Um, maybe you're doing the actual writing. So you've had the idea for the book, but now you got to sit down and do your do your thousand words every day and uh, you got to get up early and do it at the same time as getting the kids ready for school and all that stuff. You got to life keeps happening, but you got to you got to actually prepare for the work. Right. 
you got to shop your idea around maybe and see if there's any investors. Um, you, when I was planting a church, that's the same thing. And that's what my friend Aaron did for months is you sit down with people and you tell them your idea and you see if their eyes light up and not everyone's eyes light up gang. I mean, that's just the reality. Your, your idea is not for everybody. And that's a really okay thing. And the sooner you get, get really behind that idea that it's not for everybody, really the, really the better off you are because you know, you can't please everybody. Um, and then, because in this stage, in the, in the, in the preparation stage, the biggest threat is that your idea gets muddy. Uh, you can come to some pretty good clarity in the idea stage, but then in the preparation stage, you have to really watch for your idea expanding. I mean, you got to let it expand a little bit. You got to let it grow. You got to follow where it goes. Cause again, it has a life, but you got to be careful not to dress it up in clothes that it was never meant to wear. Uh, I remember sitting down with a group of people when we were planting our church and I, wa- I, I was trying to raise some money and I was trying to raise money so bad that, that I sort of cheated on the, on the vision casting. I sort of made it a little too muddy so that it would possibly appeal to the people that I was talking to rather than just letting it stand on its own having the idea be as sharp and clear as it actually was and then letting them invest in it or not. So you got to really watch for, this is what I call like when your idea gets, gets more blurry rather than more clear. So, um, but then as it becomes more and more clear, again, you're having tons of meetings, you're getting other people on board, things go desperately wrong and deadlines get mixed. And this is where I'm just, our deadlines get missed. This is where I'm thinking about my uh, friend Aaron. Not so much that deadlines got got missed, but I mean, there just was almost comical things. Uh, I mean, comical in the sense of like it's so painful that it's comical. But different different things went wrong. Different things got missed. Not by Aaron's fault at all, but just I mean, like if it could go wrong, it did. Uh, and he was just nailing it, killing it, doing the best. And then he would get a phone call with this thing wasn't ready. It was supposed to be ready or he'd get a text. So-and-so is out and he thought they were in. And it's like, oh my gosh, uh, during the preparation stage, this is not the sexy stage. The idea stage is kind of sexy and the doing it stage is kind of sexy, but the preparation stage is really all about cleaning out the closet, uh, making sure the shelves are going to fit the work that's that's going to happen. It's behind the scenes. It's building the infrastructure. Even if that means, you know, it's like writing the proposal for the book. Uh, Maybe it means shopping the screenplay around to see if it has any legs to go in the industry. Uh, There's this, this is the part where it's just blood, sweat, and tears. um, And maybe a lot of all the above. (laughs) And I just don't, I mean, I've written a couple of books I've done. I've this podcast, the the I mean just there there have been a number of things that um, just because I'm I'm driven to create I this is just part of my DNA and if I don't I die but it doesn't mean that this preparation stage isn't really really hard um, and gosh I just heard this this statement regarding writers but I think it expands to other disciplines as well. It says when you when you decide to be a writer, you agree to have homework for the rest of your life. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is, right? You hear Anne Lamott talk about 
you know, putting your butt in the chair and just writing, you know, three shitty first drafts, S F D, uh, shitty first drafts. That's what she calls them. And she says, you just have to do it like, and they're going to be shitty. Um, but you have to write those first drafts and this is what preparation is, right? This is having the meetings. This is selling the idea. This is writing the pages. This is getting the proposal ready. This is doing the hard work of getting people on board and it's a lot of work. And I think a lot of people quit at this stage because they feel like, you know, the sexiness is gone and they feel like the passion is gone, but it's not, or maybe it, it, it just, it's, it, it, you are delaying some of the gratification because uh, you actually want to put out a really good thing that is beautiful and that you're proud of. So finally you get to the day where you get to present it, you get to do it, you get to publish the book, you get to do the play, like you get to actually perform it, you get to preach the sermon. Uh, you get to have your art show, you get someone buys your piece of art, uh, you get to have the big dinner party where you're trying out the three first recipes, you, uh, you've sold your first house or you've built your first house and it's done and now you're going to show people. I mean, and this moment is fun. Uh, and it's, it's sweaty palms, it's sleepless nights, you know, when you're, if it, if it involves any kind of, um, audience and most creative things do, whether you're writing a book, it's, you know, it's not like audience in chairs, but you know, you're finding out how many people are going to buy your book in the first several weeks, or, you know, if you're preaching a sermon, how many people are going to show up, or if you're doing a play, how many tickets are sold, or if you're writing an album and you put it out there, you know, does it get any play on the radio? Or I guess that's kind of an outdated thing, the radio. <laughs> um, translate it to what you need to translate it to. Um, does anyone buy it on iTunes? Or is there any plays on Spotify? Um and so, but then, you know, you sort of get to the stage where you put it out, you do it, and then in some form or fashion, people do show up and people do appreciate it. And in some form or fashion, like you get the email that said, oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. That was so amazing. That really affected my heart. Um, and maybe it wasn't exactly the way you pictured it. It probably wasn't exactly the way you pictured it because you're a human being and, and you tend to think that, you know, because you've worked so hard on this, that everything is riding on this. And, you know, if you expected 200 people to come and only 150 people came, instead of saying, wow, 150 people came. I mean, that's so crazy. You, you know, you, you actually focus on um, the 50 people that didn't come and, you know, what's, what's wrong with them and what did they, you know, what did I do wrong? When really it's like, no man, 150 people, that is incredible. That's awesome. I love that. That's great. That's so, so awesome. Um, but there's adrenaline on the on the doing it right uh whether it's again your your show your um your first night in concert your sermon the first day on the job uh the adrenaline's there the emotions there the tears are there the thrill is there you get some validation you get some emotion and there's a whole big yes to it and this is what uh this is what my friend Aaron is going to is going to go through this Sunday I'm going to be there with him and uh, so it's this little church that we're starting in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. 
uh, at the Hannafel Performing Arts Center. And 10 a.m., uh, the curtain's going to go up, and we don't know whether there's going to be 20 people there or 200 people there. We have no idea. Um, but we're going to do it, and, and whatever happens, there's going to be that moment where Aaron gets in his truck and he drives back home. And it's going to be done and he's going to have all kinds of mixed feelings and it's going to be thrilling and it's going to be uh, in some ways disappointing. And <laughs> but I really hope it's uh, mostly going to be thrilling. So uh, so those are the first three movements of the creative process. Before we get to the fourth movement, we're going to take a little break and we'll come right back. Hey friends, we'll get right back to the podcast, but I wanted to let you know if you want to know more about anything that I've done, well, not anything, but my books, my blog, the other podcast episodes, head over to steveweens.com and you can find everything you need. Also, if you want to support me on patreon.com, just go to patreon.com slash thisgoodword. And if you support me for as little as $2 a month, you'll get lots of benefits, fun, fun stuff. And lastly, I want to let you know about a really interesting uh, opportunity that that is for you if you are a writer and you've never been published, but you want to be published. Maybe you have an idea for a book, but you don't know if it's viable. Maybe your manuscript is almost done, but you don't know how to get it in front of publishers. Uh, Maybe you've heard about a book proposal, but you have no idea how to write one. And you wish someone in, in the industry that knows what they're doing would like help you, give you a critique of your query letter, uh, and help you get your work in front of publishers. Well, I think if that's you, you want to check out Author School. Uh, it, it, the instructor is an agent who's been in the industry for so long. Her name is Rochelle Gardner, and she is amazing. And you can find out all about it, how to enroll, what it offers, and all that good stuff just by going to authorschool.com slash love slash Steve Weens. That's authorschool.com slash love slash Steve Weens, and they will get you set up. Okay, now let's get back to the podcast. Okay, folks, the fourth movement. So you've had the idea you have done the preparation, you've actually put it out there, you've done it, opening day is over, it's out in the world, and now let's talk about the day after. Ladies and gentlemen, what happens on the day after? Well, my experience is pretty consistent. I have a vulnerability hangover. If I've poured my heart and soul into something and given given it away, uh, I, I have a sense of you know I, I did what I said what, um, but it's not so much like I I did what or I said what. Although that is involved for sure, I think it's more of just a letdown because your your body, your mind, your soul, your heart has given uh, yourself to this process so intensely that now the anticipation is over. It's like, it's almost like Christmas morning, you know, almost the best part is when you're a kid is the anticipation of the presents. And then when you get the presents, you know, there's kind of a depression that almost sets in. Like you play for it for a little while, then you kind of go, man, was that it? Because you've worked so, not now, let's get back to your creative process. The thing that you've worked so hard for, the thing that you've, you've had blood, sweat, and tears invested in it. You have had disappointments along the way, but you've had lots of gifts. Uh, now you've done it. And now at least that first thing is over. 
And sure, they're like, you know, you do a, a little, um, you do a debrief and you figure out were there some things that we could have done better? Because if you're doing it next time, if it's a, another concert, another worship service, uh, another um, dinner party, whatever it is, another day at work, you're going to want to keep improving. But there's only one first time. And when it's over, it's over. So it's really normal to have a sense of letdown because, you know, you've worked so hard and, you know, the dishwasher still needs to get emptied and your spouse still has like normal stuff that they want to talk to you about, even though this huge thing has happened, which really should have taken over the whole world. But then you find out that it didn't take over the whole world and not everybody's thinking about it, even like an hour afterwards, even though it's like the most important thing of your life. Uh, but then you get an email and, uh, oh yeah, someone loved it and you, you get some more validation, but then, um, it's like the next email, Hey, like you have, if you like Aaron's going to have to plan his next sermon and plan his next worship service. And he's going to have to figure out, um, you know, lots and lots of details. And, you know, so it's just like, it just keeps going. But I think in that moment where it's the day after, um, you just have to be prepared for that letdown. Um, that the and 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 um, and I think it happens differently for different people. I know different events that I've had. Uh, my my level of letdown is certainly different. But even after this, you know, we just had Easter and uh, we had a really fun Easter Sunday at our church. But even driving home, I had a sense of loneliness, you know, like I had a sense of, well, you know, that's like the biggest day of the Christian year for pastors and church people. And there's a sense of, well, okay, that was it, you know, <laughs> like now. And of course, you know, we have this Sunday's coming up, so it never ends. But, um, but there is a sense of letdown. So I think it's really important just to say that out loud. So here's what I want to say to Aaron, and here's what I want to say to anyone else who has maybe just done something big or is about to do something big. Um, and I don't know why this little phrase has helped me, but it always does. Like when I get really close to that release day of the book or the first worship service or, you know, whatever it is that I'm putting out there. Like let's say it's a Sunday that I'm that I, that it's that it's getting out there. What I always say to myself is, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm gonna go to bed that night after it's all done, and I'm gonna get up the next morning. Like, like nothing. There's almost nothing that can happen that will be so bad that will stop those two things from happening. And I think it just normalizes it. Like it, even if it's a huge thing, even if it's something you've worked so hard for, at the end of that day, you're still gonna like go to bed, you're gonna get up the next morning, and then you're gonna do the rest of your life. I mean, that that's that's still gonna happen. Like nothing, even if it completely bombs, you're still alive, your family's still alive. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, and it, it almost nothing totally bombs, friends. Um, so, uh, so that's the first thing I would say to Aaron or anyone else. Hey, no matter what happens on Sunday night, you are going to go to bed and you're going to get up Monday morning and there's nothing that's going to get in the way of that. And you're going to do the rest of your life. I mean, that is what's going to happen. 
The second thing I would say is, and you know, and this is something to to, to maybe listen to after it's done, but you did it, you know, like, yes, way to go. All the hard work, all the blood, sweat, and tears, all the ideation, all the preparation, it all came together and you did it. And who knows what happened? Who knows whether, you know, fireworks went off or the fire alarm went off? <laughs> Both are possible. Uh, but you did it. You did it and you really nailed it. You didn't do it perfectly, but the point is never to do it perfectly. How boring would it be if we did, if we could do something perfectly because everything else we would ever do in our entire lives would pale in comparison because perfection is not the point. Engagement is the point. Being passionately engaged in the thing that you're doing. So, uh, yeah, so I would just say, you know, have a moment on that day after where you celebrate it, where, you know, you do something fun. Maybe you go out to an afternoon movie you've been waiting for. Maybe you go get a massage. Maybe you uh, have a special dinner with someone that really loves you. Maybe you uh, play with your kids in a way, you know, you take your kids out for pizza. I mean, I don't know what it is, but something that feels celebratory because you did it. You did it. So that's the second thing I would say, celebrate it when it is done. And then the third thing I would say is, um, and this is, this is applicable whether it went really, really well or whether it didn't go the way you hoped. Um, so I would say this, like um, for some reason, uh, when we started our church, and this was four years ago, in our first service, we had about 400 people there. And that was at, that was more than twice the amount of people that we expected. It completely blew us all away. And I can have some pretty high expectations. So that, that is saying something. Um, but, um, (laughs) let me just tell you folks, like we've, we've never reached that number ever again. (laughs) Okay. So, um, like in a way, What I'm saying is, um, no matter what happens, one service doesn't make or break anything. If, if, if in the church realm, this is where I'm talking right to Aaron. I don't know. There might be, I think there's going to be more than 20 people there, but there might be 50 people there. There might be 500 people there. We have no way of knowing, but if there's 500, you know what? Awesome. But it's going to be less the next week. And it's, that's not the only measure of, of success. Uh, And if it's 50 or 25 or whatever, that's not the greatest measure of failure. It's not even a failure at all. Um, Nothing rises and almost nothing rises and falls on one event, one thing, even if it's the big event, even if it's the big kickoff, even if it's the big, I mean, it, it 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 can help you know what to do next for sure. Um, but it, nothing rises and falls on that one thing. It just doesn't. And if it does rise and fall on that one thing, man, that's going to be a tough, then you're in a tough business. <laughs> and I would say you got to have a kind of moxie that maybe most of us don't have. So um, nothing rises and falls on one thing. You did it. You did it. You did it. And uh, gosh, it's just it's great. So Aaron, personally, I love you and excited to see where this thing goes. Uh, can't wait to be in it with you and to anyone else who's creating anything. Uh, I, I really hope that this process 
uh, in some ways has helped you at least identify with the different emotions and the different stages of the creative process because it's a lot of work and we do it because we love it. We do it because we want to bring creativity and love and hope to the world. Um, but we, but, but it sure, it sure has more than, more than one movement to it and more than one feeling to it. And sometimes it's real sexy and fun. Sometimes it's just blood, sweat, and tears, but, um, you can do it. You can walk through every single part of the process. Okay, friends. Uh, so good to be with you as always looking forward to some of the guests that I have coming up. They're, uh, they're fun, new people that, uh, I can't wait for you to meet. Uh, but until then, we're dust and breath. We're human and holy. We're limited and limitless. And we are in it together. 